0: Welcome back to the Past and Present Podcast. This is your host, Kim Groves, hoping you've been having a lovely week. Uh, Today, our archaeological journey is we're actually going to talk about a person. And today we're going to talk about Hatshepsut. And I've mentioned her before in some of our talks on Jericho. So we might, since we'll probably run into her again, I think it's probably expedient that we discuss her just a little bit. Um, and Hatshepsut has fascinated me and I actually didn't even though I'm quite a scholar of history I did not know of Hatshepsut until I was in college and I became fascinated by her and she is she was a female Pharaoh and this was one of those things that was virtually unheard of in uh, at the time she lived as the world was mainly dominated by men though there were a few female rulers so today's article is entitled when a woman ruled Egypt and it is a staff uh, article by the people by the ladies and gentlemen at the biblical archaeology uh, society so this appeared in biblical archaeology review in March April of 2006 and I had an opportunity to do a, a different article on her that was dated from 1999 and I actually wanted to just uh, go for something a little bit more recent because the longer we go, the more study we do, we learn more and some things that we learn actually put other things that we thought we knew like, out of date. So I wanted to kind of do uh, an article that was a little bit more recent. So pretty much Hatshepsut ruled at first as a regent, in other words she was sort of the ruler in place of her young nephew's son. Now, let me explain. Um, in ancient Egypt, it was very common to, shall we say, keep it in the family. Uh, so you had a lot of daughters marrying their fathers, brothers marrying sisters, sons marrying their mother, that sort of thing. Um, so uh, to start off, you um, about 200 years before the date of the, the traditional date of the Exodus, a female pharaoh ruled Egypt, and she ruled at sort of the very beginning of the new dynasty. And uh, she was one of very few women in the ancient world that wielded any real political power. Uh, she ruled more than two decades uh, when Egypt was the most powerful land in the eastern Mediterranean. Now, try to keep the family tree straight here because it's going to get real messy real quick. Hatshepsut was the daughter of Thutmose I, who was the third pharaoh of the 18th dynasty. And she married her half-brother, Tutmosi II. After her husband's early death, she became regent to Tutmosi III, who was the son of Tutmosi II by another wife. Probably by Tutmosi's III's seventh regnal year, Hatshepsut had taken the extraordinary steps of proclaiming herself king. Now she wasn't just protecting the kingship until her nephew stepson came of age, she was actually acting as the senior and far more powerful partner of a co-regency. So in her inscriptions, Hatshepsut claims Her father had appointed her heir to the throne, which this is very not very common. So this is very specious that she's actually saying this. Um, They really scholars now believe this was actually just more a move of of her propaganda machine to sort of consolidate and legitimize her power. So Tutmosi I doesn't even mention his daughter, and her brother husband Tutmosi II apparently succeeded their father without incident. Until Thutmose's death around 1479 BCE, Hatshepsut was known as the king's daughter, the king's sister, and the king's principal wife. Because remember, polygamy was a thing. She was always depicted with the trappings of the king's principal wife, not with the insignia of a king. So in other words, she was basically the queen. Okay, so framing at the first part of Thutmose II's reign, she framed she was framed as the queen. So, she was actually a very important member of the court. One of her titles was God's Wife of Amun. And Amun was the chief god of the Egyptian pantheon. And he was considered the creator god. And he was responsible for everything that existed in the universe and was attended by a coterie of distinguished male priests. So... She... But her role, even as a woman, was very important because... She was considered to be uh, the, uh, she had the title of God's Hand. And the the Pharaoh was himself considered a god. And um, so basically, because there was what we would call emperor worship or pharaoh worship, the Pharaoh wasn't just a human who represented a god on earth, he was the god on earth. He was the Egyptian god that took a physical form and became on the earth, okay? So, um, now Hatshepsut administered the estate that came with the office of God's wife of Amun, which consisted of property, which meant that Hatshepsut would have had numerous officials beholden to her. So, although during the early period of her regency, Hatshepsut referred to herself most often as God's wife, she later took the title Lady of the Two Lands, which is like the the female version of the male title, the Lord of the Two Lands. And she enacted a pair, erected a pair of obelisks in the Temple of Amun at Karnak, which is a rite normally reserved for kings. So, and this Lord of the Two Lands basically refers to the upper and lower kingdoms of Egypt that actually were separate at one point, but then they were merged under one pharaoh. And so iconography of the period after this always shows the crown of the lower kingdom and the upper kingdom um, merged together. So Queens, uh, she actually had herself depicted in relief carvings performing duties that were traditionally performed by the king Um, and because queens were often depicted making offerings to deities, but they were always accompanied by their husbands and always played as subordinate roles. But see, she actually took the, the, not as subordinate, but, but a, a senior role. So something, and we don't really know what, something changed into Mosey III's seventh regnal year. Now, until then, it seems she was content to watch over the office of the kingship until her nephew, Stepson, was ready to take over. Until then, she served as a faithful servant, referring to herself as God's wife. But around 1473 BCE, she suddenly and forcefully took the reins of kingship and adopted the five-name title that Egyptian kings had taken on since the Old Kingdom. So I'm not going to go through all her names, but she basically had five different names. Uh, but she kept her traditional name of of uh, Hatshepsut. She did not establish her own regnal years. She actually continued to use those of Tutmosi III. But for all intents and purposes, she was the Egyptian pharaoh. Um, no one really knows what happened either when she took the unprecedented step of becoming the regent of Tutmosi or when she the third, or when she decided to take power herself. Some have speculated that she seized the throne out of overwhelming ambition or that she's the pawn of officials uh, who were the real power. Some have suggested she sought to establish a female dynasty with her daughter, Neferere, as her successor. However, it could be a lot simpler than this. It's that some, now lost to history, circumstance arose that made it politically expedient for her to declare herself co-ruler and indeed principal ruler with her nephew. So it could not, There may, may not be any kind of intrigue or behind the throne, so to speak. It could have just been political expediency. She was not the first or the last female pharaoh to rule Egypt, but her reign was the longest and most successful. The fact that she reigned as principal king for at least 15 years, which it was a time of peace and prosperity, almost like a renaissance, suggests she's accepted as the legitimate ruler by her people, the officials, and probably even, through mostly the III, her co-ruler. Now, it has been suggested she wore men's attire to, in order to masquerade as a male king, but this is actually very unlikely. And the reason we believe this is because Established iconography for Egyptian pharaohs had been was very well established, and so those forms didn't change because she was a woman. They just said they gave her the figure of her figure, but they added the trappings of what the pharaoh would wear: the fake beard, the crown, the the uh, menis, All of that uh, actually became what she would wear. Um, so she's. Um, she even wore the kilt, the false beard, all of it. So she was she was actually always depicted wearing the iconography or the trappings of an actual king. So now these depictions are largely ceremonial, though they could include personal details of an individual ruler. Their principal purpose was to represent the office and functions of the king. So this iconography, basically just king. Just you see the picture, you know that that's the king. Um, so, um... In the case of Hatshepsut, inscriptions accompanying statuary or reliefs generally refer to her in the masculine form. At the same time, these inscriptions usually include at least one feminine ending particle or pronoun, thus revealing the king was, in fact, a woman. So while she was called he, there was never any doubt that she was a she. Um... There's no reason to think that Hatshepsut was trying to deceive anyone into th- actually thinking she was a man or that anyone in Egypt was unaware. Because remember, she was always known as the uh, prince, king's principal wife and a princess. The fact that she adopted the traditional masculine coronation names, but she retained her female name of Hatshepsut. So there, she wasn't trying to delude people or con the, the populace. They knew she was a woman, that, but she just happened to be a king. Uh, so um, there's a superb granite statue now in the Metropolitan Museum of Art that represents Hatshepsut wear, wearing women's jewelry and dress, but she wears the nemes, which is the headcloth of a king, and the inscription on her throne describes her as the perfect goddess, daughter of Rey and lady of the two lands. Now, where earlier kings of the 18th dynasty are known for their military prowess, Hatshepsut's 20-year reign, though she was not free of military campaigns, was largely peaceful. So under her, Egypt experienced a renaissance, an explosion of artistic creativity with traditional forms of architecture and art being refined and reinterpreted, as in her temple at Derabari in Western Thebes, in which architecture, sculpture, and landscape combined to form one of the world's architectural masterpieces. Artists also introduced completely new forms of statuary, some of which became prototypes for later generations of artists. Um, So the fact that Hatshepsut's administration maintained ties with the cultures of the Aegean, the Eastern Mediterranean, and Nubia meant that the Egyptian artists could incorporate new resources and artistic motifs into their repertoire. Now, the, the kind of the, the mystery uh, reemerges after Hatshepsut dies. Her co-ruler co-ru- co- Thutmose III had her name and images destroyed. Now, although this process did not begin immediately, and actually we we're thinking it began very late in his reign, it was conducted with such efficiency that only a vague memory persisted of the great female pharaoh, and Hatshepsut's name does not even appear on most of the Egyptian king lists. However, the Egyptian priest Manetho who lived during the early Ptolemaic period, recorded Hatshepsut as Amesis in his history. So she was rediscovered in the early 19th century. A scholarly opinion has varied considerably concerning her, uh, concerning Tutmosis III's motives removing her from memory. The erasure of her name, the destruction of her monuments, and the defacing of her images were at first interpreted as evidence of a war of succession among members of the Theban royal family. Later, this is interpreted as an act of revenge by a resentful Tutmosis III. More recently, scholars have suggested the idea of a female king was believed to be a disturbance to the Maat, which is the Egyptian concept of order. Think of it like kind of regnal feng shui, if you will. Uh, It is possible also that Thutmose III found it politically necessary to destroy the evidence of the co-regency to establish himself as the sole king for his entire reign and to ensure the succession of his young son and heir Amenhotep II. So, um, thus the beginning and ending of her rule are shrouded in mystery. So, again, this is a very brief look at Hatshepsut, and if you are interested in hearing more about her, you can certainly uh, find this particular article at baslibrary.org. It is entitled When a a Woman Ruled Egypt, and it appeared in the March-April 2006 issue of the biblical archaeology review you can also find articles about her at the um, american archaeological uh, i'm sorry the american institute of archaeology uh, they have amazing articles on her as well um, and she's just like an all-around fascinating person now as always i enjoy hearing from you please feel free to email me at kim at gmail.com On Twitter at at podcast underscore past and on Facebook at Rebirth Network and Rebirth Encouraged, both with a purple heart between the words. Please join us on Monday when we will be discussing taking revenge, kind of fitting coming off of uh, what we may know or may or may not know about uh, Hatshepsut uh, being obliterated. Again, I encourage you to uh, read up on this topic and continue your study on the Sermon on the Mount. Again, this is Kim Groves with the Past and Present Podcast, hoping that you stay blessed and unstressed and unbothered by the rest. Have a great weekend.